Well, uh, hello. Welcome to the episode 138 of Sack King's Therapy. We are coming to you live. I, I, I always say that. It's not live. We're actually recording this uh, right after the Lakers uh, blowout of the Kings in the Golden One Center. Uh, and of course, always with me is Fong. Hello. Are you overjoyed right now? Are you happy? I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know. Well, how about you? I, I'm like mixed feelings right now. Well, I wouldn't even say mixed. I mean, there's like a speck of hope and we will get to it. But we just watched the Kings blow, just lay an absolute egg in the second half after coming out, you know, steaming like in the first half. Um, so Kings do lose to the to the Lakers again on their home floor, 117 to 92. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Um, so the game started out steaming hot. For the Kings, Kings were playing with intensity. You know, I use we I use that word a lot, but they were legitimately playing with energy, with intensity. They looked like they gave a shit. Holy, holy crap! The Kings actually gave a shit, and and you know it's actually pretty fitting. This is how the game started. Uh, it's Rashawn Holmes's first game back. There's a screen and roll. Halliburton finds him all alone under the rim, and he gets a and he gets a dunk and one. And he and that was basically the story of the game. Rashawn Holmes was back. Yeah, it's great to see. And you know, wish we saw that a little more later on. But you know, starting out the game, it got a lot of Halliburton and Rashawn Holmes, which is real nice to see because he was going off against the Lakers. Yeah, and like he just, you know. We we really did miss him just because, like I, I was mentioning in one of the games, like no no one really has that chemistry, the pick and roll chemistry with Halliburton the way that Rashawn does, and like he just finishes shots that usually like he finishes shots that the the other big simply can't. Maybe Damian Jones can, but he doesn't play enough to actually kind of like out to, for us to really see it. But he was incredible early on. He was active on defense. In fact, the entire team was active on defense. They were getting steals, getting deflections, getting runouts, and it was just gangbusters. The Lakers looked absolutely helpless. Like they just had no idea what to do. Like Russell Westbrook was just turning the ball over, missing layups. Davis was, you know, just kind of he's he was okay, but he wasn't the game changer that he's usually heralded heralded as. And the rest of the team was very meh, with the exception of Malik Monk. Malik Monk was a bright spot for the for the Lakers in the first half. And and yeah, it was it looked like the Kings were just gonna run away with this one. But, you know, for those who have followed the Kings for long, it's usually Let's just say the Kings always find a way to make games interesting, and the game did get interesting in the third. So um, I'm going to actually just run a quick timeline of basically what happened in the third. If you guys didn't know, the Kings blew blew a 12-point lead and somehow turned it to into trailing. Uh, I don't actually have the number here. Let me check. By the end of the—so they had a 12-point lead like early in the third. And somehow trailed 13 by the end of the third. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, 
how about how that happened. Do you have anything? Do you have anything you want to talk about before I kind of go with a little transcript for the third? Yeah, uh, before you say anything uh, about you know the last half, uh, the first half, man, that offense was just on it. It it would. Why it was some of the best offense I've seen all season, to be honest. We got some good transition uh, offense with some lobs, some good layups, and uh, whatchamacallit, even Buddy Healed. Oh my gosh, Buddy Healed in some plays didn't even shoot the bad Buddy shots. He actually passed it off. And the passing game for the team in general for the, fir- for the first half, by the way, was really good. I, it was like, man, I have not seen... Uh, the Kings pass more than maybe what three times in the possession until this game. And it was just mind blowing to see. And, you know, kind of didn't really happen uh, in the second half, sadly, but, you know, I guess let's go on to whatever you're going to say about how this dove in, delved into our loss. So I mentioned a 12-point lead. I actually misspoke. It was a 14-point lead, actually. So oh. even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is how this is how it starts. Uh, so in the third quarter, at the 9:59 mark, the Kings Kings were at 66. Actually, let me just check really quickly who made the shot. So Rashawn Holm Rashawn Holm makes makes a shot and to kick kick the lead to 14s and to put the score at 66 52 so that was 959 they wouldn't score again until 757 during that time time span lakers go on an 80 run and th- it then kind of goes a little bit back and forth this it then so then it gets to 72 uh, buddy scores a technical free throw i believe it was a defensive 3 seconds and and uh, Buddy Buddy shoots the technical, makes it, and pushes the score to 72. And at this point, the the Lakers were trailing. Let's see, the Lakers were trailing by six at this point. Okay. Okay. So from hold on, sorry, I have my I have my numbers mixed up. Oh God, sorry about this. Okay, so so at that point, um, the the Kings were leading by four, 72-68. They would not score another point in between until 2:06 and left in the third. And you know, I'll, I'll give I'll give the Kings credit during this run. They actually did run good good offense. Like you know, the buddy passes you were speaking of. There was a play kind of. But right before the, you know, the 70, what, what, before we reached a 72, like normally what, what would end up happening is that he would just shoot a contested three off a pin down. But instead, you know, he sees two guys on him and gets the ball to Rashawn for a dunk. Like that was happening constantly. And during this, uh, during the run from 551 to 206, this about four minute stretch, there was still decent ball movement. There, it was leading to open shots. But unfortunately, the Kings just could not hit these long shots. It, this is kind of the issue with the roster construction. You just don't really have great shooters. Like Metsu, I think Metsu and D- Davion were like two guys that I remember during this lineup and Fox was out there. So you have just three guys who just uh, just sub let's just call them subpar three point shooters. And they're just what they just weren't making shots. So in the during this uh, four minute stretch from 551 to 206, Lakers go on a 12 0 run. At this point, um, the Lakers, 
so at 5:51, the Lakers trailed by four. At the end, at 2:06, uh, the next time that the Kings score, the Lakers had were now leading by eight at 80-72, and basically from then on, they just never looked back. Uh, to make matters even worse, just a little extra uh, for you guys, Kings would not actually make another field goal. Um, I believe they missed – the stat that popped up was they missed 14 straight field goals. It might have been more than that by the time they scored by the 839 mark in the fourth. And, yeah, and guess and guess who made that field goal? It was Rashawn Holmes. And, you know, let's get to let, – let, let's get to the positive. Rashawn Holmes, I, I already I already said, like, this was kind of the Rashawn Holmes game. He started out hot. And he was on, he was basically the only bright spot for the Kings, and that's basically when they were down in the in the late third and the early fourth. He was the only one that out was out there showing fight, like showing that he gave a shit, and looking like he actually wanted to win this basketball game. Everyone else looked dejected. Every Fox has this thing where like he just looks like he doesn't really care. Buddy is doing. The buddy things, but in this case, he, you know, you live by the buddy, you die by the buddy, and we were dying by the buddy, and uh, and I didn't even mention like during this um this, during this drought there was a, a basically like a 28 footer that he took that he just missed while the Lakers were on a run, and me and you just both said, what the fuck? That's not the shot. That's basically Buddy's version of the Denzel Valentine three-pointer uh, against the Heat last year. <sighs> yeah, pretty much, I'm going to be honest, pretty much after that shot, it became, you know, kind of old system uh, that we saw, you know, during the past few games, pretty much, where it kind of slowed down, isolated a lot, and we just chucked shots, hoping something would go in. Some were good. Both were very bad. And, you know, at this point, it's like there was no turning back, to be honest. We we just stuck with that game plan and it didn't pan out. Yeah. And like that's kind of the issue with the Kings. Like when things like really start falling apart, they start pressing. And you unfortunately always to some in some way involves Buddy taking really bad shots. And, you know, we just praise him for playing a really good game. He really didn't force as much. But guess what? Like when the chips are down, he is always the first one to panic. Unfortunately, it, it just sticks out to, to us. It, it, mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And he took again. He took that like it says a 26 footer apparently. And he yeah he missed it pretty badly. And that was that basically deflates the team. And those kinds of moments, unfortunately, kind of just encapsulates what's wrong with the Kings. When things aren't going their way, their defense falls apart. Their offense again, they were running good stuff for a bit, but when they when the Lakers start, started to expand their lead. They they panicked, and the first one to basically kind of reel it in is Buddy. And for whatever reason, d- during this during this time span, I think he checked in like in the middle of the third and basically never checked out. And I, part of me is just like I get why he plays Buddy. Like he provides spacing. You know he does he does do some good things. But in a game where he he goes one for seven, 
He's not giving you any offense, but again, he was passing, but during this run, he was, he really just wasn't doing anything positive out there. And then he's an absolute sieve on defense. Like just bench the guy, like for, like for the love of God, like at some point, like Monty might just need to do a buddy trait for the sake of just not sake that Alvin just does not play him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, this game, he had five great assists. Yeah, you know, we have to delve into the buddy stuff. And, uh, you know, wish it came out somewhat differently, sadly enough. So, like, this is how bad the buddy situation got. Like, <laughs> James Ham is actually criticizing it in his post-game, in his post-game <laughs> recap. That's no. how bad it is. Like, he just straight up said, Alvin needs to take the L on this one. Like, mm. that's that's how bad it got. And, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, the the Kings gave us so much, you know, so much hope in, in the first half. Again, they they played great defense, great energy. Like, I even have a note here. They, you know, they rotated well. They helped each other out. They played for each other. Oh, my God. They were rotating on point, you know. You know, again, helping when helping and doubling like really well, but they they just can't seem to keep that energy consistent. Like the, during that during that Lakers run in the third, that was kind of what was really missing. Like the defense intensity just wasn't there. They weren't doubling on AD like they were in the first and like they in the first half. And like you know, Russ was kind of getting whatever he wanted. Russ kind of started to calm down. It, it's kind of seems to be a pattern with him. It's that he plays like shit in the first half and then gets going in the second half when he kind of slows it down and just basically stops making stupid plays mm-hmm. and just, yeah, like, you know, they let him get comfortable and like, yeah, again, t- towards the end of the game, like towards the second half during that run, the, the Lakers were just feeling themselves like they just there was no pressure whatsoever. And the the energy that was built up in the first that, you know, th- that the Kings played with just completely dissipated and just basically like, you know, th- the balloon got popped, essentially. Yeah, it makes me forget all the mistakes that the Lakers have made during the first half because they were they were god awful. They even were though, bad. Well, <sighs> even though they kept up somewhat with us in the first, uh, I mean it was pretty much anchored by I'm gonna say just AD to be honest uh, for the first half, and you know yet that second half for some reason like you said they just woke up. Wayne Ellington started hitting freeze. Russ just went into the rim pretty easily. Malik Monk, 6 for 10 from free. I'm pretty sure most in the last half. Like, yeah, we weren't hitting anything. They were just hitting more. Him and Dylan Brooks are the, you know, basically the Hall of Fame Kings killers. They get up for games against the Kings. They always play well and just always wants to go at somebody. And unfortunately, seems to always be guarded by Buddy for some reason. It's just one of those things. And yeah, but game high plus 33. Like, he, he was huge. Like, he hit a half-court shot that, that you know, uh, cut the lead to single digits from 12 to, to 9. Like, he was huge this game. And yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. Like, the Kings didn't, you know, just... The, like, 
even in the first half, they were still even like while they were like going on their runs, they were still turning it over a lot. They just can't seem to be able to find that perfect mix between, you know, they're basically they're just still not good at going for the kill and putting and just putting guys down when they have the chance. And they always seem to be seem to just let guys back in. And that's kind of what happened. Like, you know, the the Lakers made a few adjustments and just. <clears throat> made a few adjustments and they kind of turned up the intensity in the second and the Kings Wilson is, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just disappointing to see after, you know, coming off to such a, a hot start. And again, it really, I really felt bad for Rashawn Holmes this game. Again, the only guy that gave a shit and like we, he cut the, he, he helped the Kings cut the lead down to 11, like in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And right after that, De'Aaron Fox turns it over on two straight possessions. He ended up with seven turnovers this game. Terrible. And just, like, those are the kinds of things where, like, if I was Rashawn Holmes, I would ask for a trade. Because this is some bullshit. Like, <laughs> I'm the only, he's the only guy out there, actually, like, trying to pump up his team, playing hard, doing his job, and then you have your, and then you have your, your you know, your max player, your star point guard, just dribbling the ball off someone's foot, turning it over on a bad pass, like on the next two possessions. Like I, like he fought back. He was the only guy that looked like he gave a, a shit about this game. And like, it's just, I, I mean, I would ask, like, uh, if I was him, like, I feel so bad for him because, like, even during the summer, I, I was shocked when he signed for, signed for, signed that deal with the Kings. Like, you know, if I was his agent, of course, this is with hindsight. I wanted him back, of course. I, I would have, I love that he took a discount. But if I was his advisor, I would just say, don't come back to the Kings, and especially if it's for less money, because the situation is tumultuous. And honestly, you should never take a discount to stay with a team just because you never know if things just go haywire. Like, and especially like with the Kings, because now you're now you're pretty much underpaid, and you, you're underpaid, and you know you never know like what could happen with this roster. Like, I hope it doesn't happen. The King, but the Kings might like have to ship him out just for just to kind of rebuild. And now, again, you're stuck with a pretty, you know, you're stuck being underpaid for what probably is going to be your last payday. Like, again, he he deserves so much better. And as Alvin Gentry said, the Kings fans deserve better as well. Yes, we do. And I'm kind of wondering, has Mama Holmes said anything about this game? Uh, No, she she basically didn't. She did shout out Chemezi Metsu for having a good game. I mean, I'll shout out Mezzi. Like Mezzi got three steals in the first quarter, or mm. the first half. I don't, I don't remember. But like he had a beautiful fadeaway on, uh, on Anthony Davis. Like he was good for the first half, and then didn't do anything in the second half. But which kind of is what Mezzi is. He's a guy that he, he's he he can, he's out there. Like you know, anything you get from him is a bonus. Like he's, but he's not a guy you really rely on to be good. He plays with good energy. He plays with good hustle. Is a decent enough ball player for, for most. But like, he's just he's not really a guy you can rely on, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. like, shout out to him for having a good game. His second career double double, fourteen and eleven. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, but um, you know, um, I was listening to Jerry Reynolds um today on uh, Jerry Reynolds, uh, the Kings Herald show. Like he, you know, he talked about there are there are selfish players on this team, and with the way that like you know we we mentioned Buddy, 
another guy like he he definitely does play selfish sometimes and then you have guys like terrence davis to me terrence davis killed a few runs with some of his plays like there was one play where you know kings were rolling and he takes a step back three that misses and and then gets scored on on the next on the next possession and then on the next offensive possession kind of turns the ball over i think it, it is not credited to him but he i forgot exactly what he did but it, it it was a turnover that involved him and it's just one of those things where he hunts for shots a little too much and he's he's as you mentioned last episode he's got the buddy mentality He's out there to play for himself, and he just throws up shots sometimes. And unfortunately, during the stretch, this is not going in. And it's those kinds of plays that really deflate the team. And, and again, makes me feel really bad for a guy like Rashad Holmes who's doing all the little things, all the dirty work, and he's not getting rewarded because, like, some asshole is taking a bad shot on his team. Yeah, sadly. But, you know— between Terrence Davis and Buddy, it's like who else is really out there that we could put in either be, yeah, besides them two? It's it's really a toss up there. So like my theory would be if you let's let's just say, you know, I mean the, the prime candidate to be traded, of course, is Buddy. You trade yeah. Buddy, there are a lot more shots for Terrence Davis. So maybe he gets in a better rhythm, like would be my theory, and he and he plays better after that. But that's by theory. I don't know if that's the case, but like you know, Buddy does does take a certain level of oxygen, a lot of oxygen out of the room when he's in there. Like he is the guy that's gonna definitely put up shots, like he always has. This game, not so much. He was playmaking a lot, but he was still involved in a lot of these a lot of these plays. And you know, if you you remove Buddy from the equation. You know, already I think Terrence Davis could be a pretty good replacement player for Buddy. And, you know, if he doesn't have to pick his spots more, although I prefer him to, but <laughs> like without him, you know, like having to really pick his spots as much, like he can just kind of he can play with a, maybe a little bit more freedom off the bench as the as the primary six man. Like maybe he plays better, but that's in theory. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, at this point, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, as of right now, it's like, what can we get for Buddy? I, I honestly don't know. Like the one guy I'm really keeping an eye on, I just I don't think he'll get moved, or I don't think the Kings can get him without giving up something that's you know, you know, without giving up something substantial. Like Miles Turner would be perfect for this team. Uh, granted, he'd be perfect on any team, but like Miles Turner is a guy I'd be keeping an eye on. And you know, I, I texted you this morning. I was listening to um, was it the Harwin Knox podcast? And granted, I did get, I did get a little annoyed listening to them just because I felt it's not that they're wrong, but the way they go about how the Kings approach their off season, I felt the process was a bit frustrating listening to them talk about it just because like they get, they get a few details wrong, but the point, the point stands, but they believe that the Kings have a shot at Pascal Siakam for some reason. I I don't know. That'd be great. (laughs) But (laughs) like, I don't know. Like Ben Simmons is the obvious candidate out there, but like people have brought up the point, like Fox, if you're, if you just want to do Fox one, one for one, like that actually might not be, I don't think that's enough at this point. Like they have Tyrese Maxey, who's honestly at this point with how bad Fox has been is just as effective as Fox with a, a fraction of the price. And 
So yeah, I don't even think so. Like then you probably have to talk about Halliburton, and you know I'm very I do he's the closest thing to untouchable on on this team to me, and the next mm-hmm. would be probably Barnes and uh, Holmes. So you know it's, I, you know sometimes you got to give up something to get something, and unfortunately this this Kings team, like with the way the roster like it's been it's been proven. Like Alvin Gentry is the coach now. Like he's not doing that much better than Luke Walton. So it's not the coach. It's pretty much the roster and how kind of imbalanced it is. And, you know, as as we just mentioned, like James Ham talked about it, too. You got selfish guys who are out there for their numbers more than they are for winning. And it's not a good combination. And unfortunately, it's going to it's probably going to continue for a little bit more because the because a lot of contracts are not eligible to be traded until after December 15th. Oh man. Well, that's that's pretty much two weeks away from now. Geez, it's already almost well, tomorrow is December, so oh man. Oh we'll see. Yeah, so it's I don't I don't know um what what's next for the Kings. I think they go to LA to face the Clippers, if I remember right. Yeah. And, yeah, like they're now eight and fourteen. Uh they are getting far they're actually outside of the plane, which is that's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, of course, they can turn it around and make the play in. But like that's sta- that's a low standard, to say the least. And they're not even reaching that. It's mm. just it is what it is. Oh, boy. Actually, the game is tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I thought it was Thursday, but it's actually tomorrow, Wednesday, December 1st. And guess what time it is? Is it at 3 p.m.? No, no, those it's usually Sundays that are early games, but it's at seven thirty. It's at oh boy, gotta stay up for the shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as it's not a three time overtime like the Lakers game we had earlier. Well, not today, I mean, but yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So I guess. Maybe we come back with an episode tomorrow. I don't know. If it, if it ends late, I don't know if we can do an episode right after. <laughs> but, like, I mean, yeah, again, uh, until trades are, until trades happen, I'm just not really expecting much from this from this Kings team. And, unfortunately, it you know, I'm still emotionally invested. But, like, I'm just – I'm getting more and more just detached from this team, and it's unfortunate. And also, like, a lot of the fan bases, this is – they're not putting up with this shit as much anymore. Like, attendance is down. They're just not feeling this team right now. And, you know, big changes need to happen, but I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Right. If they brought that intensity from the first half to the second, I think things would – change a little bit but then again it's still a small sample size so you know we're just gonna have to keep on playing until then okay um one last thing before we actually move on so so i had you so i as i mentioned i watch a lot of wrestle talk um we're translating to wrestling now so for those of you that don't like wrestling you can you can t- turn it off now <laughs> so <laughs> because uh, unless you're into wrestling this will not uh, interest you much at all but so if you so if you are here for the basketball thank you guys for listening uh we will be transitioning to some wrestling talk okay so i had you watch um the mjf versus cm punk promo and also the miz and edge promo 
Now, as I have talked before for those loyal listeners, I'm a big fan of Russell Talk. They're basically how I keep up with wrestling. And they they had a interesting poll today. Let's just say an interesting video. They were reviewing Raw, and they they their title of their uh, review video is MJF is or no Miz is a less good version of MJF. And the I guess the Miz mob came out at them. Apparently, it's they managed to get a lot of dislike rants. You can't see the dislikes anymore because of YouTube's new change. But apparently, they got a lot of dislikes on that video because apparently a, a portion of the, of the internet really loves the Miz. So I guess – so I had you watch the video. So I just want to quickly – I just want to ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. Which Which promo did you think was better? At the MJF versus CM Punk one or the uh, Miz versus Edge one? I I personally like both of them, to be honest. But the one that tips the scale for me was the LBJ, not LBJ, MJF. MJF one, the MJF promo with CM Punk. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a little different because, I, you know, I'm used to the PEG era of WWE. Uh, because it's been so long since I've seen the TV 14 WWE, but something like uh, what uh, they did in AEW was real reminiscent of that TV 14 era, and you know they took really good shots at each other. What do you what did you think of the shots that uh um that were taken during the Miz and Edge promo? Like I think they did they referenced like you know people getting fired and. You know, yeah. Russell, WrestleMania, the 27 stuff. <laughs> like. Yeah, especially John Morrison talk in there. Yeah, it, it was good, but it's it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know how it's explain It's kind of like you're leveling yourself and having that mindset of WWE in, because it's a PG uh, type show now. It's kind of like leveling and thinking of in that kind of era. But they did take some pretty good shots in terms of uh you know personal um vendettas um look here let me let me ask you this final question which match would you be more um excited for cm punk versus mjf or edge versus Miz? i'm not gonna lie i I think the cm punk one (laughs) Okay, I guess it's now time to put my piece on it. I I think it's hands down the MJF promo. MJF <laughs> versus CM Punk was so much better. There's something about the I don't think it's PG, but like the, the Miz versus Edge, it, for whatever reason, I just don't they don't they don't draw me in at all. Like they were, mm. you know, of course, like they use some personal stuff, but like I. I didn't care. <laughs> like it, it didn't hit the same way. Like some of the jab, some of the shots that MJF took at CM Punk, that was those were great shots. The PG Punk line was amazing. The <laughs> UFC line was amazing, and just calling him, basically calling him the new John Cena, like wow. And then I don't even remember that memorable of a line. Like, oh, you you were on Dancing with the Stars. You you beat John Cena at WrestleMania 27. Like, basically uh, after after you basically cheated to win that one. And also WrestleMania 27 was awful. 
like don't don't bring up that main event. It's easily one of the worst main events of all time. It's not like anything that's you know to be proud of really. And then honestly, I don't know what it is. Not I'm not into I'm just not into Edge in the same way I'm not into Christian Cage. I'm not into Gold. Not so much not into Goldberg, but like I'm not that interested in just another edge match and then Miz definitely not interested in and granted not that interested in MJF versus CM Punk match either I don't think they're they're both good in ring and it'll be a good match and they probably will tell a good story I'm not that excited in any of these guys wrestling but I'm definitely less interested in a Miz versus Edge um wrestling match like if you ever like I I like let's just say if I were to ask you about a dream match would you ever have said Edge versus Edge versus uh, Miz? <laughs> no, so, no, I would have not. And uh, speaking of the match, uh, what, what, uh, what? This is is this a main event for some pay per view? The Miz versus Edge? Uh, I don't think it will be main event. I think it'll just be on the big show. So they're not doing a December pay per view, but they are going to do a New Year's show called Day One. And they already have uh, Seth Rollins versus Big E versus Kevin Owens on that show. So it will probably end up being on that show. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, maybe it'll probably happen, but I'm not that interested. I'm sorry. Like, it's the same thing. Like, uh, some people are very excited for Jeff Hardy. I've never gotten Jeff Hardy. Gosh. Never been my thing. But, like, it's I'm not that interested. I, I love his theme song. Yeah, that's all. That's all I watch <laughs> anymore. Oh yeah. man, yeah, no, th- yeah, those guys. I mean, they're great and all, but it's it's been yeah, it's been years since I've been excited for those guys. I mean, same with Jeff Hardy, Edge, and all that. It's probably since well, what mid two thousands that they were like big and all that. Now it's just rinse and repeat in a way. I don't know if Edge. Uh, uh, what you might call it, compete against Miz because it's no, they, they have not. They, they have not. Really? Oh, that's interesting. As I uh, said, dream match. So yeah, not really uh, a dream match though. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So and then there, there, there's the other part with the Miz. It's like something about him. <laughs> it's just I, no, I can't take him seriously ever. It's it's, it's just one of those things. It, like people compare them to compare him and MJF. And I, I kind of get, I get why, but then you think about it for about five seconds and there's basically no, they're nowhere. They're nothing. They're nothing alike. Like they're completely, they're in completely different kind of genres of wrestling. Like, let's be honest. And there's like, it's just not fair to compare the two. And uh, honestly, MJF, like I like MJF way more than I like the Miz and it's and like I was really shocked that so many people come out and essentially stand for the Miz. Uh, granted, he didn't stand for the Miz. I did ask Jason Jones about this. He think he thinks you know Miz is a Miz is a pretty entertaining star. Like he thinks he's a star. Like mm-hmm. you know, however he defines that word. But like I don't even see him as a star at all. Like he's just he's just a guy that's been there for a while. Yeah, and, and he's like, done this bit for a while too. Yeah, and like it's I'm sorry, like if you've been there for a while, good for you. I don't consider you a legend just because you've been there for a while. Like for example, like there there was a time during when I was watching Wrestling Talk, there were a lot of people calling Alicia Fox a a, a legend, calling oh. Natalia a legend. 
what have they done? <laughs> you know, no shades of them. These these guys have been great. Like they've been, you know, great company people. And Miz, like I I like the Miz out outside of wrestling. He's a great guy. Granted, like I watched him on Dancing with the Stars. By the way, he was really good on Dancing with the Stars. But like I look at the Miz, and I'm just like I hate your face. <laughs> I don't know why. And not 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 saying he's ugly or anything. He, he's a he's a de- he's a decent looking guy. But like he has a very punchable face. Something about him. And it's just and he and you know like it's just one of those things. I'm just, I don't dig the Miz, and I was mm-hmm. just surprised he has a legion of stands who are like like that when he won the title in February of this year, which shocked me. I'm like from this year, and like people were like, oh my god, I'm so excited for the Miz title run. I hope he has the ch- title for a year, and I'm just like, huh, <laughs> why? <laughs> And, you know, like, and then he lost the title in about, I think, three weeks. And, uh, yeah, no one ever remembered it. And those people disappeared until now. And I'm I'm just always shocked about, like, these stands for guys who just kind of been around for a long time. And granted, again, Miz, I think, is a great guy. He's done a lot for done a lot for the company and you know all the credit in the world to him for actually lasting in the WWE because he did not start out well like he scratched and clawed to make sure he belonged here mm-hmm. oh yeah and you know all the credit in the world to him I just don't see him as like a guy like you know an all-time legend like which a certain group of wrestling fans seem to think he is Speaking about that, I was looking at the YouTube comments on the videos that you sent me, and what uh, specifically the Miz and Edge promo. There was a lot of comments uh, saying that Ed or Miz was the what you would call it, better MJF. So, uh, I, don't know. I, I, mean, I want I want I, I, well, actually I don't like I just you know what you know what agree to disagree I, I guess sure like I'm, but I'm sorry if you think that I can't take you seriously I'm sorry like <laughs> if you watch MJF it's like I mean, granted it's a better it's a different environment but the way he draws heat is nothing close. It, it it goes back to me not being able to take the Miz seriously, but like MJF can legitimately piss off people, and I feel he pisses off people in a way that the Miz can never hope to. Even though Miz would draw a lot of heat if, if he was in AEW, and you know it's I don't think they're anywhere. Again, it's not even fair to compare the two. It's oh, I don't even want to say this, but like you, it's it's like comparing, say, like Kobe to LeBron. It, it's not a fair comparison. Not, not that either one of them is in anything close to those guys in their sport. But like it's not fair to compare the two. They're t- two very different wrestlers and talkers and honestly in, in completely in, in two completely kind of different genres of wrestling. Mm hmm. Now, if they were in the same, you know, program, whether it's both in WWE or AEW, would you like to see them wrestle each other and no. talk it out? No. Oh, no? <laughs> no interest. First of all, again, it, it, it kind of all comes back to The Miz. I'm just, I'm not into The Miz. Like, mm-hmm. you, people talk about these dream matches. Miz will appear on none of my lists, ever. <laughs> it, he just won't. 
Like yeah. it's just I I don't I don't care for his wrestling. Don't really care for him on the mic. Even though I I will be the first to admit he is very good on the mic at what he does. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's very good at drawing that kind of heat where people like. He doesn't. He doesn't draw heat like MJF, where people like legitimately boo him out of hatred. That uh, people kind of boo him out of the sake of playing along for the Miz, if you will. And I, I, I don't know. This is. It's. He, they're not in the same league to me, anyways. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, if you think that the uh, Miz is better than MJF, all the power to you. I, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could be that delusional, but you know, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. For me, I don't watch enough WWE, or nor do I even watch much AEW. So I don't know. If I watch more MJF, I probably get a better idea. But yeah, as of right now, through these two promos, MJF is already taking the cake. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting conversation. And yeah, again, well, me, some people actually think that Miz Miz is better than MJF. Those people do exist. Although, granted, like thinking about it more, there is a lot of tribalism between uh, AEW versus WWE. And there's a lot of overlap with people who think The Miz is better than MJF and and WWE diehards. And then kind of vice versa as well. So, like, there's kind of that community where they, they just will defend their side to the death no matter what. Again, uh, I as I like to think I'm a pretty objective viewer, and while I don't fully like agree with everything about Wrestle Talk, I think they're pretty on the money with this one. I, I'm not I'm not a Miz guy. I'm just not and I'm not interested in ever watching him wrestle or uh, talk. To be honest, I'm not that interested. But but like I I respect his body of work, but like I think MJF is miles better. Than uh, what Miz is. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's kind of the wrestling rant of the week. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, do you have any closing thoughts uh, for uh, the listeners, whether it pertains to well, let's actually whether it pertains to wrestling, because the basketball people have most likely checked out. <laughs> pertaining to wrestling i don't know I, I need to watch something to get an idea of what's going on now you know you sent me that weird um i mean i i'm, I'm not i'm not using this word disrespectfully like this this gay clown the gay japanese clown that you sent me like i don't know how you found that one but i'm i've gotten really into ddt now and uh oh is that the yeah. wrestling brand? In that Japan? is the re- that is the wrestling company that does weird shit like that. And I will always say, like whatever, however the hell the Japanese people come up with those ideas that they come up with in those promotions, like it's LSD on, like it's like super LSD, whatever they're on, <laughs> and like it's just it's it's incredible what what they come up with and. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll give you credit for that. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm I'm interested in where this MJF and CM Punk feud go feud goes because it is like truly two of the best mic talkers like going going right at it. Like you talk about dream matches in the ring, that's a dream match on the mic. The only other dream match I can actually think of of MJF, I want to see him go up against The Rock. I don't think it'll ever happen. I want to mm. see it though. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be yeah, that'll be uh, probably out of 
everyone's weak, sadly. I don't know. I don't think The Rock would ever go back in the ring anytime soon. Oh, no, he doesn't have to go back in the ring. He just needs to go at him with the mic. Although, like, the tr- let's be honest, the true, like, mic battle. I, I don't think you even know him. Uh, but, like, Jim Cornette, if somebody going against MJF would be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, that is, like, I think the universe would explode. <laughs> just the amount of charisma and the amount of like zingers that those two would throw at each other yeah uh, i see yeah i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> okay well that's uh that should be enough for the wrestling talk this uh this episode is probably dragged on for long enough if you're still listening again thank you guys for listening to this one and uh hopefully you have a good night because unfortunately we didn't yeah well it's going to be a start of a new month in December, and I guess we shall see how the Kings do against the Clippers tomorrow, December 1st on Wednesday. So I guess we'll see you guys later. <laughs>